The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Wall Street awaits a highly anticipated speech from Jay Powell. China appears to be taking a softer public stance against COVID restrictions. Congress moves to prevent a possible rail strike. And Disney says management and strategy changes could come at a cost. A suspicious powder was found in the New York Midtown Hotel. Plus, the same-sex marriage bill adds to the House after Senate passage. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower. It's 4th easy win for the Knicks. Islanders lost. St. John's won. And the U.S. advances at the World Cup. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Learn why the world's most sophisticated wealth management and institutional firms rely on Pershing to help them improve profitability, create efficiency, attract talent, and manage risk at Pershing.com. And futures are moving a bit higher this morning. It's 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 6 points. Dow futures up 15. NASDAQ futures are higher by 40 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 4.30 seconds. The yield 3.72%. Yield on the two-year, 4.47%. NYMEX crude is up 2.4% at $80.09 a barrel, and COMEX gold's up a half percent at 1773.20 an ounce. John? And Nathan, we begin with a highly anticipated speech by the Fed Chair Jay Powell. It takes place right in the middle of today's trading. I'll just get a preview from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. When the Fed Chairman speaks, he usually moves markets. Probably not this time, though. Investors have firmly priced in a half percentage point increase in the Fed's target rate, and none of the Fed speakers in recent weeks has taken issue with that. What Jay Powell may want to do is set some guidelines for the new Fed guidance on rates coming December 14th. There's general agreement among policymakers the ultimate level of the target rate will be higher than their last forecast of 4.6%. Markets now see it at 5%. Powell could offer guidance on whether that's about right, and about how long it would take the Fed to get there. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Mike. And Bloomberg Radio and Television will bring you live coverage of Powell's speech this afternoon. You can catch that around 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time. Well, ahead of the speech, John, we continue to hear tough talk on interest rates from Fed speakers. Let's get the latest live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, John and Nathan. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard estimates an interest rate of at least 4.9% would be needed to bring inflation down next year. But former New York Fed President and Bloomberg Opinion columnist Bill Dudley predicts an even higher rate in the short Term. I think once we get to, you know, five and a quarter, five and a half, I think they'll, they'll relent. And then they'll, they'll just sit, sit there and wait for that restrictive monetary policy to slow the economy down, uh, generate more slack in the labor market. 
The Fed is expected to announce another rate hike next month. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Steve. And let's turn to economic news out of Asia. Data show COVID restrictions are continuing to hamper growth for the Chinese economy. At Bloomberg Daybreak, Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Tough COVID restrictions on consumers and businesses weighed on activity. The official PMI fell to 48 this month. That's the lowest reading since April and worse than the estimate of 49 in a Bloomberg survey. The non-manufacturing index declined to 46.7 from 48.7 in October. That was also lower than estimated. About a quarter of China's total GDP is said to be affected by COVID lockdowns. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. And China may be starting to enact a softer stance on COVID restrictions. Stories of people who survived infections are popping up in state-run media. That's something that hadn't been published previously. And local governments are now vowing to prioritize the public over COVID control. And the People's Daily, a mouthpiece for the Communist Party, is urging citizens to take responsibility for their own health. It's the last trading day of the month, and November was pretty good for Chinese stocks listed in the U.S. They're up 30 percent. If that level holds today, it would be the best month ever. It's also been a good run for global bonds. They added a record $2.8 trillion in market value in November. All right, let's turn to politics now, John. Congress is moving quickly to prevent a possible rail workers strike. We get the details from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 Washington newsroom. There will be two votes in the House today. The first vote is on a bill to avert the strike by passing the tentative agreement. The second would be an up or down vote on whether to add seven days of paid sick leave for railroaders. Lawmakers are reluctantly intervening to avoid what would be a devastating blow to the nation's economy if the supply chain of fuel, food, and other critical goods were disrupted. Once it passes the House, the bill heads to the Senate for consideration. The deadline for an agreement is December 9th. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thanks. Also in Washington today, lawmakers are getting a visit from Apple CEO Tim Cook. We're told he plans to meet with top Republican lawmakers. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The aim, according to Bloomberg sources, is to forge ties with GOP leadership ahead of the party's takeover of the House next year. He has scheduled sessions with Republican Representatives Jim Jordan, Daryl Issa, and Kathy McMorris-Rogers. Jordan and McMorris-Rogers are likely to chair top committees overseeing the tech industry when the GOP does take over. The meetings were likely scheduled before the exchange of messages between Cook and Elon Musk. At Twitter, several conservative Republicans, including Jordan, have been very critical of Apple, and Jordan has become a Musk supporter. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. And the shakeup continues at Disney after Bob Iger's reinstatement as CEO. The company now says changes to its management and strategy could come at a cost. More from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. Returning CEO Bob Iger recently told staff he's considering changes to the company's management structure. And a regulatory filing shows plans may include modifying the way Disney releases and exhibits movies and TV shows, including the platforms for initial distribution. As a result, Disney says, once determined, the changes could result in impairment charges. Changes in consumer behavior favor online platforms. However, streaming services are struggling to turn a profit. Last year, Disney lost $4 billion on its online TV businesses. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks a lot. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street futures, for now, in the green, the Dow futures up nine points. S&P E-mini futures six points higher. That's up about two-tenths of a percent right now. And the Nasdaq E-mini futures up 37 points, a rise of three-tenths of a percent. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barnow to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is directing police and city medics to be more aggressive about getting severely mentally ill people off the streets and subways and into treatment. Adams says that's the case, even if it means involuntarily hospitalizing some people who refuse care. We can no longer deny the reality that untreated psychosis can be a cruel and all-consuming condition that often requires involuntary intervention. The mayor's announcement was condemned as wrong-headed by some civil rights groups and advocates for the homeless. The NYPD is searching for a man who got into the Park Hyatt Hotel in Manhattan and left behind a suspicious white powdery substance. Police say departing guests dropped a hotel room key on the street and someone snuck into the unoccupied hotel room and spent the night. A cleaning worker reported being sickened by the substance left behind in the room. Assistant Chief James McCarthy of the NYPD. Fire department swabbed various surfaces of the room, which initially indicated that it was, there was a possible trace of amount of explosive substance. Assistant Chief McCarthy says the powder tested negative. The Senate has passed landmark bipartisan legislation to protect same-sex and interracial marriages. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. What a great day. What a great day. The bill now goes to the House where it's expected to pass. Demonstrations took place in New York City to support protesters in China against rigid zero-COVID policies. I am seeing Chinese people stand up for themselves and how I, I wish them the best in their fight for freedom and democracy. Demonstrations took place near New York City's Chinese consulate and also at Harvard University. Closing arguments are slated for tomorrow involving former President Trump and his company's criminal fraud in the tax case. Longtime Trump Organization finance chief Alan Weisselberg testified in the case that prosecutors say involved avoiding taxes on company-paid perks, including an apartment and luxury cars. The Christmas tree lighting is tonight in Rockefeller Center. Last night, members of Congress gathered to light the Capitol Christmas tree. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It is 610 on Wall Street. Yeah, it's time now for the sports report being brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, John. Rare laughter for the Knicks in Detroit. 40-point first quarter. They scored at least 30. The other three, they won by 30. 140 to 110. Julius Randle led the way. 36 points. And only played 31 minutes. And Dallas, Luke Dons at 41 points. A triple-double. The Mavs beat Golden State. The defending NBA champs just 2-10 and 10 on the road. Islanders lost in Philadelphia 3-1. to St. John's. Easy win over LIU in the Red Storm now. 8-0. Looks like a long season at Syracuse. The Orange are 3-4. They lost by 29 at Illinois. It's the last weekend of the college football regular season. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC are all playing conference championship games. And if they win, they'll be the four teams in the playoff. The committee has them as the top four. Ohio State, after the loss to Michigan, dropped from second to fifth. Giants getting healthy at the right time. 
Big games if they want to make the playoffs starting Sunday against Red Hot Washington. The Giants could be getting several starters back from injury, including rookie tackle Evan Neal and rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger. As the U.S. World Cup team gets ready for its game Saturday morning against the Netherlands, all eyes on Christian Pulisic's pelvis suffered a contusion in the collision with the Iranian goalie as he scored the only goal in that win over Iran. Pulisic posted, don't worry, I'll be ready, as U.S. teammate is Yunus Musa. He brings a lot to the team. Uh, great guy off the field. Very good, nice guy. And then on the field, uh, everyone everyone sees his brilliance. Um, he's there at the right time, at the right space. <laughs> so, I mean, um, no, very, very happy that uh, he's my teammate. It's a young U.S. team, and Musa is the youngest. He was born in the Bronx, and yesterday he played on his 20th birthday. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? John, thanks very much. And ahead of the Open on Wall Street, Dow Futures, they've just turned red, down three points. S&P E-mini Futures, four points higher. And the NASDAQ Futures are up 30 points. You are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg Sports Report brought to you by Audi. Don't let somebody else drive off of the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan Hager futures are edging just a bit higher this morning. The dollar is slipping ahead of Fed Chair Powell's speech this afternoon. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now are up five points. Dow futures up 10. NASDAQ futures higher by 29 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds, the yield 3.72%. Yield on the two-year 4.47%. NYMEX crude's moving higher up 2.6% or $2.05, $80.25 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate now. COMEX gold up a half percent or $9.20 at $17.72.90 an ounce. The euro 1.0350 against the dollar. The yen is at 138.93. Bitcoin's up 2.6% at 16000 almost $16,900. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. China's ruling Communist Party has vowed to resolutely crack down on infiltration and sabotage activities by hostile forces. The statement follows the largest street demonstrations in decades over strict antivirus restrictions. The House will vote next week on the same-sex marriage bill. The Senate passed it yesterday with bipartisan support. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. The Bruins and the Capitals won. At the World Cup, the U.S. now faces the the Netherlands Saturday after beating around 1-0. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. 619 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Fed Chair Jerome Powell discusses the economy and labor market during an event hosted by the Brookings Institution in Washington. And investors are looking for any hint of a moderation in interest rates. Let's find out more from Bloomberg's Mike McKee. He joins us this morning from the nation's capital. Um, Fed members have been speaking lately. I'm not sure Mr. Market has been listening, Mike. When it comes to the uh, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, they kind of have to listen, kind of sit up and take notice. <laughs> yeah, it's like a box of your ears. Um 
I don't think Jay Powell's going to box anyone's ears today, but he would like to sort of stop a slide in financial conditions that uh, has gotten underway in recent weeks as markets have improved a lot. Uh, the interesting question is why markets have improved a lot. Do they think it's because the Fed is going to suddenly start cutting rates because we're going into recession, or do they think that inflation is going to come down faster? Uh, Fed can't do anything about what Mr. Market thinks, but they can give some guidance as to what they think. And I think I think that uh, what we'll probably see today is Powell reiterating, as you mentioned, what uh, a lot of other Fed officials have been saying lately. We may uh, do a 50 basis point move, which is slightly lower than the 75 we did uh, the last four meetings. But we're not stopping yet. We're going to keep raising rates. So uh, keep your seatbelts buckled. What's your definition of a pivot? I think if I were defining it, it would be the Fed would stop raising rates. We'd be uh, into a different regime, a uh, hold hold rates uh, for X period of time uh, rather than just uh, slowing the pace of increase to 50 basis points because that's still still a lot. I mean, historically, uh, a 50 basis point move was considered rare. Now, for some people in the markets, it's considered (laughs) the Fed uh, turning dove. Yeah, slowish, slowing the pace is a dovish tone. That's kind of a, that's a new take on things. Um, does Jerome Powell have to torpedo the labor market? This is a speech uh, that is also going to take up the, the, uh, the labor market as well, right? Yes, he's uh, speaking on the labor market, very um, timely since the jobs report is on Friday. Uh, We get the jolts report later uh, this morning, which uh, he'll have in hand when he speaks. And that's been the Fed's fundamental argument that the labor market is so tight because there are so many jobs open that they don't have to torpedo the labor market to get where they need to go. They need uh, unemployment a little bit higher as demand slows, but they don't think they need to go anywhere near recession levels. Now, the jury's out on that. History says they can't do it, but history has been no good guide to where we are coming out of this pandemic. So educate us. Where is the inflation coming from? What's the source? Well, it's widespread, and that's the Fed's problem now. Originally, it was in the so-called transitory areas, uh, used cars, uh, airline fares, things that had been repressed during the um, pandemic and were in short supply, and therefore the price went up. But then it started to broaden out. We got the energy shock from the Russian invasion. Uh, we got... Uh, Basically, the service industries, uh, for the most part, everybody, but particularly service industries, had trouble hiring workers. So they had to raise pay or offer bonuses, and they raised prices to uh, accommodate that. And so it, it's been a broad-based change, and that's that's the Fed's frustration is uh, the some of the – tools that, well, they have only really the one tool of, of raising interest rates, doesn't affect some of that. It doesn't affect energy. It isn't going to significantly slow hiring uh, in the case uh, that we're seeing now, where it's a shortage of workers as opposed to uh, slowing of demand. What's the market betting on the terminal rate, where when they're going to stop raising rates? And does Jay Powell today have to adjust that view for the market's I think he'd like to adjust the view. He's been saying it since the last press conference on November 2nd that the terminal rate is going to go higher. And the market has pushed it up to roughly 5% right now. Some members of the Fed think uh, they need to go a little farther than that, percent to 5.5%. But I don't think anybody at the Fed is locked in on that yet. I think 
5% they would tell you they're pretty much locked in on, and they'll get closer to it at the next meeting. But uh, beyond that, it'll depend on the evolution of the economy. And I think Powell will make the case that we're, we're not where we need to be. We will be going higher, but we can't put a number on it yet. Remind everybody where we are since we're so data-dependent. What is the data telling us lately? Data telling us lately that the economy is still in pretty good shape. I mean, we do get a new jobs report this week. Uh, indications are it will still reflect strength in the labor market, and that has contributed to strength overall. That and the the, the cash cushion people built up during the pandemic have provided a cushion to demand. People have been spending down what they have, and they also have been spending their newly higher paychecks, and that's keeping things going. We're seeing uh, reasonable retail sales. They haven't significantly dropped off a cliff, and we're seeing companies continue to spend. Mike, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Bloomberg's Mike McKee joining us live from Washington this morning. And Bloomberg Radio and TV will carry you. Uh, Jerome Powell speech live that starts at uh, right around 1:30 Wall Street time. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JC Apps Donor Advised Fund is the smart, tax-efficient way to manage your philanthropy. Open a JCF fund now to lock in a 2022 tax deduction. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And at 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about three hours from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. We await remarks from Fed Chair Jay Powell right in the middle of the trading day. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has more on what to expect. Which Jay Powell do the markets get? Do they get the one who came out on November 2nd at the end of the last Fed meeting and was hawkish? At least that's how his remarks were interpreted. Or do we get kind of the Fed speak that we got out of the minutes last week? Probably he's going to lay the predicate for a 50 basis point move. And Bloomberg's Mike McKee says Powell will also discuss the labor market ahead of Friday's jobs report. Bloomberg Radio and Television will bring you Jay Powell's full speech live around 1.30 p.m. today, Wall Street time. And, Nathan, at the same time, we continue to hear hawkish remarks coming out of the Fed. And Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with details on that. Steve, good morning. Good morning, John and Nathan. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard says even higher rates are vital to further combat inflation. He estimates a rate of at least 4.9% in the short term. But a former Fed colleague thinks that's not enough. Former New York Fed President and Bloomberg Opinion columnist Bill Dudley predicts the central bank will pause to assess the situation once interest rates reach five and a quarter to five and a half percent. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Turning overseas now, we may be starting to see a softening COVID stance by the Chinese government. Stories of people who've survived infections are popping up in state-run media, and local governments are vowing to prioritize the public over COVID control. And the virus restrictions continue to hurt China's economy. The latest PMI data came in at its lowest reading since April. The non-manufacturing index also
also dipped. It's believed about a quarter of China's total GDP is impacted by the COVID lockdowns. Now back here in the U.S., John Congress is moving to prevent a possible rail workers strike. Senate Minority Whip John Thune of South Dakota discussed President Biden urging Congress to intervene. It's something that the president needs to own. The Presidential Emergency Board, which he created, came up with a series of recommendations, and that uh, is what everybody sort of has agreed upon with the exception of one union. So we would like to see them resolve it without having Congress have to act. Senate Minority Whip John Thune made the comments on Bloomberg Sound On, which airs weekdays at 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. S&P futures up four points, Dow futures up one NASDAQ futures up 29 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Nathan. 630 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. Let's get an update on news from around the world and New York. And for that, here's Bloomberg's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much, sir. New York City plans to hospitalize more mentally ill people, even involuntarily. Mayor Eric Adams says it's a push to remove them from the streets and subways. If severe mental illness is causing someone to be unsheltered and a danger to themselves, we have a moral obligation to help them get the treatment and care they need. Mayor Adams says they will focus on action, care, and prevention. However, the mayor's announcement was condemned as wrongheaded by some civil rights groups and advocates for the homeless. There was a strange hotel bomb scare in New York City yesterday. Police say someone snuck into an unoccupied hotel room at the Park Hyatt and spent the night. Then a cleaning worker reported being sickened by what was described as a suspicious white substance left behind in the room. NYPD Assistant Chief James McCarthy. The family had five keys, and uh, they believed one of them they must have dropped, and he picked it up. Assistant Chief McCarthy says there was a brief evacuation of the floor of the hotel. However, the NYPD says all tests were negative of the powder. Police are now searching for the hotel intruder suspected to be a homeless man. The Senate passed legislation to enshrine federal protection for same-sex marriages with a bipartisan vote. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the issue is personal for him as his daughter and her wife are expecting a baby. That child will now grow up in a more accepting, inclusive, and loving world, a world that will honor their mother's marriage and give it the dignity it deserves. The bill heads back to the House where it's expected to pass. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes has been convicted of seditious conspiracy for a violent plot to overturn President Joe Biden's election during the January 6th Capitol riot. The chairman of the House committee investigating the Capitol assault said the panel's final report would likely not be released until late December, shortly before Republicans take control of the chamber. It's an effort underway to bring together Holocaust survivors and their children. The New York-based Center for Jewish History is launching the DNA Reunion Project, offering DNA testing kits for free through an application on its website. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you very much. 
It's now 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Report being brought to you by your tri-state Audi dealers. And we check in now with John Stashauer. Thanks, John. Just with the Knicks need after a couple of tough losses at home, a trip to play one of the NBA's worst teams, the Pistons, are 5-18. and 18. Knicks in Detroit won 140-110. to 110. Julius Randle scored 36. Knicks continue to be better on the road than at the Garden. Islanders lost in Philadelphia 3-1. to St. John's beat LIU by 27. The Red Storm off to an 8-0 start. The college football playoff committee has its top four as Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC all four play conference championship games this weekend. Encouraging news on the Giants injury front. As many as six Giants who've been out could be returning for Sunday's game with Washington. The U.S. advancing at the World Cup in three games only allowed one goal, and that was a penalty kick. It was 1-0 over Iran on the Christian Pulisic goal where he got injured, didn't play the second half. It's a pelvic contusion. Pulisic posted that he'll be ready to play Saturday's round of 16 game against the Netherlands. The U.S. has only reached the quarterfinals once since 1930. As Tiger Woods withdrew from this weekend's World Hero Golf in the Bahamas with a foot injury, he detailed his plans for the rest of his golfing career. The goal is to play just the major championships and maybe one or two more. That's it. I mean, that's... Physically, that's all I can do. And I told you that, guys, in the beginning of this year, too. I mean, that's, I don't have much left in this leg. So um, gear up for the biggest ones, and hopefully, you know, lightning catches in a bottle. And I, I'm up there in contention with a chance to win, and, I re- and hopefully I remember how to do that. Tiger was able to play three of the four majors in 2022. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks a lot, John. It is now 6.37 on Wall Street. And it's time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Is it me? I mean, have you noticed the number of cyber breaches lately, the number of phishing attempts that I get? Is it on the increase or is it just me? I don't think it's just you. Um, I've certainly felt like there has been an increase. But look, this is part of the technology. It's part of the evolution. And it's something that's really pulling ahead cybersecurity stocks. So I think that's what we're stuck with, CrowdStrike so, specifically. So they would be higher, the cybersecurity stocks, because of all this? Yeah, because they're more in demand. But then <laughs> you look at CrowdStrike. What happened? Well, CrowdStrike, CRWD, folks, is your ticker. If you look at the pre-market, it is tumbling and really taking a hit as much as 20% in the pre-market. This comes after they came out with a revenue forecast that missed their estimates. Now, this is really interesting because the background, I think, is important when it comes to a lot of these cybersecurity stocks. Remember, a lot of the um, adoption was really picked up post-pandemic, and that's really where you saw not just people going into cloud services like Microsoft, like Amazon, for example, but really hopping into cybersecurity as well because now they have an infrastructure that needs to, well, be protected, for lack of a better term, that that got amplified and magnified in March with the war, when the war in Ukraine began. Russia has a, is a known expertise for a lot of like cyber attacks, for example. So post-war in Ukraine, these were the stocks that actually performed really well in line with likes of Lockheed Martin, Boeing, a lot of your con- uh, traditional defense stocks. This morning, though, uh, tumbling, like I said, uh, revenue forecast missing their estimates. And they said that it's a slowdown in annual recurring revenue, basically saying that people aren't going to spend as much on cybersecurity as they have in the past two years. But I would say it's kind of meant to be almost. You kind of see a little bit of a, of a pullback anyway in spending across the board, and CrowdStrike is no exception. I'm getting the feeling with the futures, at least, that we're kind of on hold 
this morning. Would you agree with that assessment? I think we are on hold this morning, up only two-tenths of one percent. The real game changer is going to be uh, Chairman Powell speaking at about 1.30 p.m., um, and, and that could change everything from cyber stocks to... Does he have to, like, torpedo the markets given the financial conditions? I don't think he has to. I think it'll probably happen anyway. Um, but I, I think every time Chairman Powell speaks after every Fed meeting, what you see is that it's, a compl- it's you have this kind of immediate volatile market reaction and then within 24 hours, the entire thing reverses. Because everybody else is waiting for a pivot, whatever that means. I mean, <laughs> I think, I guess, maybe if you want it bad enough, it'll manifest. Who knows? <laughs> We're wishing for it. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Uh, Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for being here. Down futures right now, uh, 14 points higher. The S&P E-mini futures up to 7, and the NASDAQ futures are 39 points higher, and you are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg Sports Report brought to you by Audi. Don't let somebody else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today, or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan Hager, futures moving a little bit higher as we wait for what Chairman Powell has to say today. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Nathan. That's right. A modest bid to the U.S. futures right now. Dow futures up 24 points. S&P's gain 8 and NASDAQ futures are higher by 44. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.73%. Gold is up 10. Oil is in the green. And Bitcoin is trading higher by 2.6%. Hong Kong jumped 2.2% overnight while European markets are also trading in the green this morning. And back in the U.S., a busy day on the economic front. At 8.15, ADP employment change. At 8.30, Q3 GDP. At 10 o'clock, pending home sales. And at 1.30, Powell makes his presentation. After the bell last night, CrowdStrike reported shares are plunging 20% pre-market. And NetApp slumped after guidance missed estimates. In deal news, Horizon Therapeutics disclosed talks with Amgen, Sanofi, and J&J. And in others, Disney said that Iger's strategy changes could result in impairments. Wrapping things up, CrowdStrike was cut to hold over at Stiefel. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Nathan. Okay, Bill, thanks. To get live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on the terminal SQUA Go. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The Senate passed legislation providing federal protection for same-sex marriages. All Democrats present and 12 Republicans supported the measure. A new Alzheimer's drug, lakenumab, is showing positive results, slowing cognitive decline in early stages of the disease. Experts say there is reason for optimism and caution, as there were side effects among study volunteers. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. The Bruins and Capitals won. At the World Cup, the U.S. now faces the Netherlands Saturday after beating Iran 1-0. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It is 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news in science and technology now. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Ranked a top 100 national university by U.S. News and World Report and the number one public university in New Jersey by Forbes. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Three Chinese astronauts have docked with their country's space station. They'll overlap for several days with the three-member crew that's already there and expand the facility to its maximum size. The six-month mission will be the last in the station's construction phase. Its third and final module docked earlier this month, one of the last steps in China's effort to maintain a constant crewed presence in orbit. NASA is canceling a planned satellite that was going to intensely monitor greenhouse gases over the Americas. NASA says its GeoCarb mission, which was supposed to be a low-cost satellite to monitor carbon dioxide, methane, and how plant life changes over North and South America, was being killed because of cost overruns. And here's a, a change from the tech world. Amazon's cloud unit plans to add employees next year and keep building new data centers. It's a sign a tech hiring freeze elsewhere in the company has not derailed investment plans for its most profitable business. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John? Nathan, thanks a lot. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is 6.50 on Wall Street, and that means it's time to check what's going on in D.C. And some of the top stories in our nation's capital include Election Day on Capitol Hill. Congressional leaders say they're going to act to prevent a rail strike. The two uh, Senate Republicans edging away from Trump ahead of 2024. And the January 6th panel unlikely to release a report until late December. Also, President Biden's first state dinner is going to pair Macron festivities and tensions. And let's take a deeper dive into some of these stories this morning with Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. And good to talk to you again. Thanks for being with us. Um, Election Day on Capitol Hill. Who's doing the electing? So this is going to be a huge day for House Democrats. They have been led, um, obviously, by Speaker Pelosi uh, for well over uh, a decade now. And today they are going to elect new leadership. Um, it's not going to be too much of a, of a competition, a little bit more of a coronation. Uh, we're going to see Hakeem Jeffries, a congressman from Brooklyn, assumed to that top spot. He's running uncontested. You're also going to see Catherine Clark of Massachusetts, Pete Aguilar of California, step into the number two and number three positions. This, of course, comes after uh, Speaker Pelosi announced that she would be stepping down, that she would not run for leadership again, even though she will remain in Congress. Last night, she was bestowed the title of Speaker Emeritus. Uh, you're also going to see Jim Clyburn, who was a, a member of leadership, stick around, uh, but he's leaving the top three. He's going to be helping out as assistant minority leader uh, to these this new generation that comes in. And it really is a generational shift. I mean, the, the three folks who are leading House Democrats right now, they're all in their 80s. This new generation that's coming in is about 30 years younger on the whole. And it just signals a, a sort of a next generation shift for Democrats, uh, trying to make sure that they are continuing to appeal to younger members, to a younger base, uh, and also simply the, the the passing of the guard that, that has to happen, every, you know, in, in these parties every once in a while. What do we know about Hakeem Jeffries? How different is he from Nancy Pelosi? And, of course, he's going to have a different title because the, the – uh, <laughs> The, the Republicans will uh, will be taking over. 
He will he will be minority leader, which to, to be fair, Pelosi was too for a period of time. Um, obviously, certainly he hopes to one day become speaker, and it would be historic. He would become the first uh, black speaker of the House um, today with this election. Uh, he is one step closer to being the first black member to represent to lead one of the major parties in Congress. Um, so certainly it is it is a historic day. Um, Jeffries he's currently called a uh, conference chair, and that just really means that what he has done over the last couple of years is he's really worked on just trying to keep uh, House Democrats united and together. Um, you know, he's been able to work with the more moderate members of his party, the more progressive members of his party. Um, it, he's he's been able to really sort of bring everyone together and very, very much seen as a unifier candidate. You know, obviously the trick with Democrats is that they always call themselves that big tent party. They've got so many members, so many ideologies. Jeffries has tried to work to make sure that he has allies in every corner of the party. Well, let's move on to this uh, potential rail strike. How comfortable is uh, Congress intervening? I mean, they've done this in the past. It's been a while since the last time they intervened in something like this. But what's uh, what's the situation? Well, no one's got the warm and fuzzies about what Congress is going to be doing here, particularly Democrats. I mean, they've pitched themselves as pro-labor, pro-union. And now what they're basically doing is kind of telling a union, hey, you know, you can't have your strike. We're going to pass this uh, this agreement that you don't necessarily want. And the way that they're sort of trying to soften the blow is at least in the House, you're going to see two votes. Number one, a vote on making sure that that contract gets into place. And number two, a vote saying that rail workers should have not just just one paid sick day, but move that up to seven. Um, and this is something it, Biden and Democrats are really caught between a rock and a tough, tight place here. They certainly want to be seen as pro-union and pro-labor. Um, but on the other hand, they know that if there was, if this agreement was to not be ratified, that would have major impacts for the economy, major impacts for employment. And so that's why they're moving as they are today. I think, of course, then the bigger question becomes in the Senate, if they can wind up getting it through there. Uh, you would need that 60-vote threshold. So you're not just going to be able to move it with Democrats. You're going to have to see some Republicans join them on it. There is some confidence that that can happen just because of what the stakes are right now. But we are expecting to see at least a couple more of the more progressive Democrats say that they just can't support it and then need that Republican support to get it over the finish line. Uh, the next story, you got to imagine that Donald Trump is feeling a little lonelier uh, this morning within the Republican ranks. Yeah, Trump, you know, it's, it's kind of been a, an interesting relation to see the relationship with him and the rest of the Republican Party, uh, post the midterms. And certainly there were really, really, uh, major concerns that came after Trump, uh, was seen, uh, dining at Mar-a-Lago, uh, with a known, uh, white nationalist, as well as Kanye West. Um, who's also uh, recently found himself in some hot water, uh, given comments that he has made that have publicly denigrated Jews. And after this, a number of Republican leaders have come out, have said that Trump, you know, should not have dined um, with a, a known white supremacist, um, that he should have distanced himself from him. Uh, you're seeing this both from Mitch McConnell, obviously the, the number one Senate Republican, as well as John Thune, who's the number two Senate Republican. So really sort of seeing senators try and put some distance between themselves and Trump over this particular incident. Uh, also interesting, um, I was chatting yesterday with a number of Republicans, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who said that she did speak with Trump after he had this controversial dinner and that 
that the White House is going to be, uh, not sorry, not the White House, but rather Trump's folks are going to try and make sure that they are vetting people more before they allow the former president to sit down and have dinner with them. Like dining with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, Emily, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. You can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Journal. Reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Uh, Dow Futures right now up 32 points. S&P E-mini Futures Nine points higher. That's up two-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq E-mini futures are up 48 points. That's a rise of four-tenths of a percent. And a reminder, Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television will carry live for you around 1.30 Wall Street time an address by Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, certain to be market-moving today. For Nathan Hager, I'm John Tucker. You have been listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And just ahead, Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keene, Lisa Bramowitz, and John Farrell. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.